Well, it is Mother's Day today. If you are a mother here, we just so honor our mothers. Uh, I feel we have the best mothers on the planet at Springhouse. And um, so if you are a mother here, you know, you do a lot of standing. If you're not a mother, would you stand? If you are not a mother, would you stand? And I just felt what was on my spirit is we would give you a standing ovation, mothers, for all of the tireless nights, for all of the hard work and the way that you love us, you care for us, you nurture us, moms. Yeah. <laughs> And while you're standing, if you would lock eyes with a mother, if you just lock eyes with a mother around you and say this, you're doing a great job. Stretch your hands out toward a mother. We're gonna pray. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of mom. I thank you, Lord, for the way that she has strength that is supernatural. I thank you for the way, Lord, that she moves and she walks and she honors you, the way that she so tirelessly works and takes care of all things left, right, up and down, Lord, and the way that you so use moms in a mighty way. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. I pray, Lord, that you would undergird them. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to use them, Father God. I pray that you would encourage them and supply for them, Father. And I pray, Lord, for moms in the room who are desperately wanting to hear your voice. I pray that you would speak to them, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would unlock truths about your word in their lives, Father, and that they would use that to be, uh, to be uh, a foundation with which they do their work and coming and going and, and running the house and, and putting up with husbands and raising kids and all of the other things uh, that come with being a mom. God, I pray that you would just completely uh, encourage them and that you would surround them. We are thankful today for our moms in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. And then this morning, I felt like, um, you can be seated. I, I, I felt that the Holy Spirit had a very special uh, thing this morning for single moms. Do we, if you're a single mom, would you be, would you be willing to kind of stand just now? Would you, if you are here for any reason, if you're a single mom, would you stand, anybody? Okay. Single moms, single moms. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I want you to stay standing for just a second. Um, there, was a, there was a season in my life where I was raised by a single mom. And, uh, you know, I've got four kids of my own, and I know what a challenge it is for two parents to be in the household running after kids and making everything work. It's a challenge when it's one. And I want you all to know, I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to know that you're doing a great job. Yes. That you need to keep doing what you're doing. God sees you. He's not forgotten about you. He knows your name. and. I've got a special gift for you today, and I'm going to have Sherry pass this out for me. We just have, we just want to honor you. We just want to bless you. We want you to do something just for you, single moms, and we love you today. So, one more time, let's hear it for those who are single moms. Thank you. You're doing great. Amen. We are 
starting a new series today called Healthy Church. If you couldn't read, it's uh, up there on the screen. And I'm gonna move this table right over here. It's an exciting day to be here in the house of the Lord, is it not? It's a beautiful day outside. And, uh, and what we celebrate most is that we celebrate a risen Savior. We celebrate a Jesus who loves us um, unconditionally. He just, he, just, he just does so much for us that it just boggles my mind. And He loves you. He cares about you. He sees you. He knows your name. He loves you. Isn't that wonderful to serve a God who's not distant, who is close? There, there, we serve a God who is close to us. I remember growing up, um, we, we had attended a Catholic church and, uh, and in that particular, you know, in that particular church, what we were taught is God was distant. You had to go through someone else in order to get to God. It's not the case. You have an, you, you, because of Jesus, you have a direct connection to the God of the universe, the one who breathes stars. And you should be excited about every day because I don't, you know, this God, uh, his spirit broods over us when we sleep. And I don't believe that, I don't believe that he's uh, too busy for us. Whenever you wake up, he's eager to get the day with, started with you. And uh, so often some of us don't wake up spiritually until noon, one o'clock, two in the afternoon, and he's been there the entire time, yes? Well, let's wake up this morning, right? Let's wake up this morning, and we're going to, uh, we're going to read out of the book of Ephesians. Would you stand with me, please? <clears throat> As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ." From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and active today. I thank you, Lord, that your word, it is, it is what changes our lives, God. And I pray that today, Lord, the things that are my ideas and the things that are from me would fall away and be forgotten. But Lord, that your word and your truth would change our hearts for eternity. I thank you for today. I thank you for being very present today on this special day. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated. 
Well, like I said, we're starting a, uh, a new series called Healthy, Healthy Church. And in the, in the next few weeks, we're going to unpackage uh, a little bit uh, of the book of Titus, the Paul's letter to Titus. And we're going to talk a little bit about some truths that we can glean from a healthy church. But today, I just want to lay a foundation for us uh, as we open the series, but also I wanted to speak to the issue of vision and the issue of, uh, uh, the, the issue of who God has called us to be uh, as Springhouse, as, as a church. As we journey down this road of, of talking about church, I think one of the most fundamental things that we have to remember, that we have to realize, and that we have to keep in front of us is that the church was God's idea, not ours. The church was God's idea, not ours. And we can sometimes get in the way of what God is wanting to do when we take church and we say, this is what I want to do, and we place our agendas and what we want to see accomplished in front of what God has and what God's purpose is for the church. So this can be difficult to remember. This can be difficult for us to walk in if we're not careful because we live in a culture and a world full of ideas. Everywhere we go, you are, you are, uh, you are asked to, 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 sometimes you're not asked, but we do it anyway. Uh, you're asked to give your ideas. You're asked to share. You're asked to think independently. What do you think will make this successful? What do you think will, will make this work? What do you think about X, Y, and Z? And, and God has some very specific ideas about the church and how it's supposed to run and how it's supposed to function. And unfortunately, as broken vessels and humans, we don't always get that right. And sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to come, most of the time we need the Holy Spirit to come and really put us in check and make sure that we are going where he wants us to go. You know, we have been complimented uh, over the last year or two about the smooth transition between Pastor Ronnie and me. And I was thinking about that this week. And, you know, one of the reasons why that went really smooth is because it's not about Ronnie and it's not about me. It's about him and it's about what he wants and it's about what he says. And we've got a group of leaders who are seeking out his voice and want to hear what the Holy Spirit wants for his people. Most transitions that I hear about that fail or, or don't go well. And, and I've heard of some, believe me, this is, a, this is a, being in this role is very interesting because I get to talk to some people that I didn't talk to before uh, that are kind of out there. And I hear some stories and I'm thinking, I'm kind of like this homeschooled pastor. Like, I don't like, I don't have exposure to some of this stuff. It's been a really, man, you know, Pastor Ronnie and the team of leaders, we were praying this morning, and I was thanking God for the pillars of leaders who have been here and forged the way all the way back to, to Harvey Meek and have laid the foundation to, to Springhouse being what it is because of their faithful service to the Lord and their faithfulness in hearing from his voice and really wanting desire, to desire and desiring to please him. So we are in danger when we take God, and we say, God, we want you to take a backseat to our ideas and our agendas in the church. That puts us in danger. And we begin to drive off the cliff. And guess what? People, people get damaged and hurt on the way. The church serves a purpose. The church at large serves a purpose. The purpose of the church is to equip you so that the body of Christ may be built up. The purpose of church is to equip you so that the body of Christ may be built up. Do you know that the world is out to tear you down? 
The world is out to tear you down and it is out, and it's out, out to discourage you to tear you down and to discourage you. But, but the church should be a place where you come and you are equipped. You are, you are equipped to go face battle and you are encouraged and you are built up because the simple truth is this. This is not your home. The world is not your home. The world is not your home. We need to be reminded of that often because so many of us work so hard to lay roots in the world. But you understand that we are only temporary here. We've got a home that we're going to, to, to be in for eternity. And a lot of what we do here determines what that's going to look like. Yeah. Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the full armor of God, putting on the full armor of God. Why? So that we can withstand the fiery darts of the evil one. The evil one's domain is this world. And when you get out there, you need some armor. You need some armor. And the correct armor and how to use the armor should be presented in the context of the church. You should be built up. You should be encouraged in your faith. You should not be finding all of your encouragement out there in the world. You might be doing something wrong. You might be living for the wrong person, if that's the case. Your encouragement that comes here and builds you up here should give you a foundation to walk on, to go out there and to love people the way Christ expects us to love them. This is not our home, and it's good to be reminded. We serve a multifaceted God, and he is leading a very diverse people. And so he gives us very specific direction. Ronnie mentioned the tribes of Israel. We have, this tribe has been given a very specific direction. And, and today I want to try to do a pretty good job of explaining what I believe that's to be. But before we go there, one more thing I want us to understand. Before we talk about who we are as a church, you need to know who we are is not nearly as important as whose you are. The most important relationship you have on this planet isn't with the person sitting next to you. It's with Jesus Christ. It's with Jesus Christ. And he has given us, well, where is Jesus? He's not, I can't touch him. He's not next to me. You know, where's, he has given us this advocate called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is available to all believers. And he is the, he is the, the person of the Holy Spirit is who we are to have a relationship with as we are talking to God the Father. Do you know that in the book of Hebrews, it says because of what Jesus did, we can come confidently and boldly before the throne of grace, God's very throne room in our time of need. Does anybody in here have a need? Does anybody in here have a need? Do you know that you have a Father in heaven who breathed, who breathed stars, who, who, who formed you in your mother's womb? He cares about your need. And because of Jesus, not because of anything you did, but because of Jesus Christ, you can go right before God and say, God, here is my need. He is a loving father and he is not distant from us. The enemy is clever. The enemy is clever. The Bible tells us that the enemy is clothed almost like light. He disguises himself as light in this world. And if we are not careful, we can be confused between what the true light is and what the false light is. How do we delineate between the two? Well, we grow in relationship with the real light. We go, grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as we're talking about today, our church specifically, I want to tell you that while we could have many, many ministries and many, many programs, the job of this church is not to entertain you. 
It's not to entertain you. It's not to provide a great show for you. It's not supposed to be a place where we just, here's your free donut, go home and have a good week. We'll see what we got next time. It's not for any of those things. We have to resolve to spend more time talking to God than about him. We have to resolve spending more time and talking to God than talking about him. We are here to worship the Lord and we are here to enthrone him on our, on our praises. And so with that, who are we as Springhouse? The Lord has given me three specific things that I believe at Springhouse is supposed to be. The first one is that we are supposed to be a people who love big. God's love is nothing short of extravagant. God's love is nothing short of extravagant. And I believe that our love for one another is supposed to mimic God's love for us. I believe that the love that we show one another is supposed to look like God's love for us. There should be no better place to find love and to be loved than God's people and God's church. There should be no better place to find love than God's people and God's church. And the reason that people run and find love in other places is because sometimes they're not finding it in the church. And I believe that God has called us a people that, to, that we are to, supposed to, to be a church that loves big, that we love big. John 3.16 was already referenced today. It says, for God loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God loved us so much that he gave his very son. I want you to think about that for a second. You know, it's that time of year, it's May, when there will be award speeches and graduation speeches and athletic banquets. And I always sit back and I, I listen to people as they give their speech. And one of the adverbs that I hear over and over and over again is the word so. So, you, I am so proud. I am so proud. I am so thankful. You've done so well. Well, God didn't just love the world. He so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. When we talk about living big, Christ invites us to step into the light. When Kevin O'Day steps into the light, guys, when I step into the light, my flaws and my sin I see those a lot more than when I'm not in the light. I see, I see glaring mess ups, screw ups, all of the things that I don't know. And sometimes for a lot of us who don't really know Christ, we don't wanna get close to that light because it's gonna expose some things in us that we don't wanna see. But as I get close to that light, it exposes these dark places in my life. And you know what that does for me in relation to you? It gives me eyes of grace to see you with, because I realize how much God has saved me from. And so when I see you in your life, I don't wanna look at you and say, oh, well, you need to get it together here. You're, you're a screw up there. I see where you've messed up. No, I've messed up. And God's, he, he has covered me. He has covered me. Jesus Christ has covered me. And guess what? He has covered you. And may God give us the eyes to see others the way that he sees them. 
May God give us the eyes to see others the way that he sees him. The Bible says, Jesus is saying this in the book of John, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you think he might want us to love one another? I have to repeat to my kids two or three times because I want them to get it. Jesus's command to us is to love one another. Arms open, arms open wide, ready to serve, to be a voice of encouragement in a world of discouragement. Do you know that most people, when they're walking in sin, actually know that they're walking in sin? Most people who are walking in sin, maybe not all the time, but I believe 98% of the time when people are walking in sin, they're aware that they're walking in sin. So the last thing that they need you to do is take a big glaring flashlight and point it in their life and say, hey, just want to let you know, just in case you didn't know, you're walking in sin. <laughs> if you are wondering what we are supposed to do in terms of changing people's lives, guess what? You're not supposed to change people's lives. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to change people's lives, not yours. It is the job of the Holy Spirit. Your job is to love people and point them to Jesus Christ, to point them to the one who can save their lives. And so I wanna be a people that when people come into this church, they taste and see, not that Kevin is good, not that Tina is good, not that Dustin is good or Barbie is good. I want them to taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more we love them, the more attractive it becomes to be around that type of love. And then the change can begin and the Holy Spirit will begin to do the work. I believe that this is to be a place where people come that don't look like us, that don't sound like us. This isn't a place, this is a, I believe this is supposed to be a place where Christianese is not a common vocabulary here. It's not a common, it's not a common language here because people don't know Christianese. I want this to be a place where people can come and that they can be authentic, that they can be real. I want this to be a place that we lavish a love so great that we set the stage for the Holy Spirit to do his work. I want this to be a place full of more yeses than no. I want this to be a place, I believe that this is supposed to be a place where we steward people more than our property. We steward people better than we do our property and our possessions. This is supposed to be a place where we love big. And as we love big, and if we work in that vein, then there's something that will be, be produced. There's a, there's a fruit kind of that will be produced from this. And this is this, it's unity. Unity. You don't know how much it is a privilege to be a church that operates unified. Unified. Unity is a choice. And it doesn't mean that we always agree with one another, but it means that we have a heart posture that says, I might not agree exactly with how you're getting there, but I can walk with you. 
I've been so blessed to be a part of a leadership team for many years here at Springhouse, an eldership team that oversees this house. And we don't do things like, you know, we have a vote and it's an eight to seven split down the middle and say, well, the majority wins. No, we look for unity in the room. Believe me, you get 13, 14, 15 guys in a circle, there's bound to be some difference of opinions. And some of them are heated opinions. But we've resolved not to move forward unless there's a sense of unity. Unless there's a sense of unity. Unity is important. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. That is where his blessing is commanded to fall. And guys, we need his blessing, do we not? Springhouse, do we not desire his blessing? And so may we be a church who loves big, who loves extravagantly. The next thing I believe that God has called us to be as a church is a church who lives truth. In order for us to live truth, we have to know the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He has given us a tool, his word, to know how we're supposed to live our lives. You are not here for your ears to be tickled or to hear my opinion about things or somebody else's opinions about things. We have to bring the gospel that is truth, and the truth is found in God's word. It's found in God's word. It's not found on CNN or Fox News or Facebook. It's not found out there in the world. The truth is found in God's word. I encourage you as a church to get into this and know this backwards and frontwards. Guys, the Bible says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you don't know the word, all you have is your understanding. We need to know the word of God. We don't need another opinion. We need the word of God. I've said this before from this stage. I believe that we live in a generation that is redefining Christianity without the use of biblical principles. Without the use of biblical principles. May I submit to you today that I think that the top principle on that chart is love. The top principle of that on that chart is love. Somehow we have convinced ourselves, I believe, that we have convinced ourselves that Christianity is about taking a glaring light and a constant reminder and placing that on other people's flaws instead of illuminating the social injustice that happens all around us and the need to help people. Jesus came to love. And people's lives will be changed through the way that we treat people and love them. And so when we talk about living truth, you really want to live truth, start looking for opportunities to serve others. Start looking for opportunities to love others. Start looking for opportunities to walk like Jesus did. John chapter eight, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's interesting about this scripture is Jesus is in a dispute with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day and they knew the rules. They knew all of the rules and Jesus is having this dispute. So if, that, if he's talking to the group who knows the rules and he's saying to them, if you hold to my teaching, there's something fundamentally missing between the rules and Jesus' teaching. 
And I believe that that is love and relationship and the fact that it's not necessarily about following the rules. Guys, you cannot be good enough to earn your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough to earn your relationship with the Lord. You cannot be good enough. needed the blood of Jesus Christ to cover all flaws so that we can embrace him and then we can love others supernaturally, not because there's something inside me that knows how to love Tina the way that I need to love Tina or to love Justin the way that I need to love Justin. I, I don't have it within me. In fact, a lot of times my flesh doesn't want to love some of you. But supernaturally, I desire his power inside me to love you above my flesh, above the way that I'm conditioned to love you. And hopefully through that way that I love you, you'll love me back and God can do some things with that. God can do some things with that. When the truth is lived in its full context, it is attractive to others. When truth is lived in its full context, it is attractive. Does it hurt sometimes to hear the truth? Absolutely, it does. Does it, does it sometimes not look like what everybody else in the world is doing? Uh-huh, yeah, it sure absolutely does. Is it different than what my flesh wants to do? Absolutely, yes, it is. But here's the thing. It's attractive because the benefit of living truth is abundant life. The benefit of living truth is abundant life. And guys, Jesus just has this abundant life waiting for you just like this. If you'll just reach out and take it. He has it for you. I mean, he just ha- it's just right there if you just choose to live truth. So we're not here to tickle your ears, not here to offer you another opinion. And if you're here because you wanna be a part of a fan club, this may not be the church for you. But if you're looking for a place that's really trying to get into this and to hear the Holy Spirit's voice and is desirous of abundant life and wants to love big and live truth, then this might be a place you could camp for a while. The last thing I believe that the Lord has called us to be is a healthy family. Interesting this, because when I look in scripture, I don't really find too many examples of healthy family or let's just say I see a lot of dysfunctional family in, in scripture, right? And the reason I say that is because I think when we see healthy family, sometimes in our mind, we make up that means perfection. You mean perfect family, like your family has it all together. It, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a perfect family who has it all together, would you please stand in this place? We would like to acknowledge you this morning. But if I were to say, would you stand if you don't have it all together? We'd have everybody on their feet very fast. Here's what I want to see here, and I believe the Lord has for us in terms of healthy fam- family. It's authenticity. It's when you walk in the doors, your mask can be taken off. That you can walk in and you can be who you are, who God has created you to be. That we're not afraid to get messy that we're not afraid that people are walking beside us who have flaws and mess ups and things going on in their life. That when somebody does something wrong and wrongs us, that we actually confront it in a biblical way instead of going and talking about them behind their back. That we actually love each other up instead of tear each other down. 
that this truly is a place where gossip goes to die, that this truly is a place where when we look at somebody next to us who might be going through, that we say, what can we do to help that individual? What can we do to be a blessing to that person? How can I encourage this, this person in their in their walk. I want us to be, I believe the Lord wants us to be a healthy family. I'm not looking to grow us to be this massive, huge church, but I always want there to be a seat at the table. I always want there to be a, a seat for anybody who will come. And when I say anybody, I mean anybody. I mean anybody. I mean anybody. I believe the posture of Christ when he had his arms spread on the cross with those nails going through wasn't, I'm doing this for everybody except for you. It was for everyone. Let us be a church that says everyone is welcome in these doors with open arms because we trust this Holy Spirit that's got something better for you than you could ever imagine in your life. And may we show them the love and may we confer them a sense of dignity when they walk into this place, despite their circumstances and despite the way they look and what they say and what they do. I, uh, worship team, you can come on out. I, um, I remember when I was in my early twenties, I got, um, came down with mono I don't know if you've ever had mono, but it was probably, it was a, I, I've never been so sick in my life. And I didn't know I had mono at the, mo, at the time, but I, something happened and I just physically could not function. I just couldn't function. And I was running things. I, I was involved in lots of different things. And I remember thinking to myself, I can barely stand. I don't know what's going on with me right now, but I can barely stand. And then something told me, Kevin, go home. And so I just, with what I had on, I just literally drugged my foot to the car. I got into the car. I started the car and I made my way to my parents' house. And when I got there, I walked up the steps and I opened the door and I just collapsed right there, right in the, right in the entryway. And I remember my mom running to the door And she picked, she had no idea I was coming. She didn't know what was going on. She came to the door and she picked me up and I just started to cry. I was like, mom, I'm so sick. And she helped me pick me up and she helped me up the stairs and she put me in bed and she made some soup for me and she just took care of me and she just loved on me. And she, when I was in that moment, I remember just, just being free to not care about anything in the world. And she just took such great care of me. And she attended to my needs. And I knew I had things going on outside of, outside of that house, but I didn't even think about them because I knew there was somebody that was taking care of me. That's what family does for each other. And I wonder what it would be like when people come here and they are so spiritually sick and they're so weak and they drop to their knees. And so many of us want to grab this and say, well, let me tell you what you did wrong to get you in that position. What, you didn't bring anything? You didn't bring a change of clothes? Yes, I have a hundred, but I'm going to give you one. We treat We have a a tendency, not we, but collectively as the church, sometimes we have a tendency 
to not confer dignity or to, to look at people when they come in and they are just so distraught and they're so broken and we tend to size them up and we tend to judge them and we tend to place a spotlight on them and say, well, if you wouldn't have done this, then you wouldn't be there. And I'm wanting to be a church that says, oh, come here, we've got you. We've got you. It doesn't matter what you did. I don't need to know the excuse, what you did, why you're there, what you look like, how you ended up. I'm gonna pick you up and we're gonna take care of you until you are whole again. That's what Springhouse is supposed to be. That's what we're called to be. And when God brings those people, because I believe He will, when He brings those people, will you, are you willing to be the open arms that will receive those people? Or are you too busy worried about the programs, the ministries, being church life, that we turn our back on the people sitting right in front of us? I want us to be a healthy church. And one of the greatest truths that I want you to know as you walk out of here, and this is for you, you are not supposed to do this alone. You're not supposed to do this alone, guys. We're on a journey together. And for the majority of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ, we're gonna be on a journey a lot longer than you think. We've got an eternity to spend with each other and to spend with this eternal God who is crazy madly in love with you. And there is a dying world out there that could benefit from a group of people who will love big, who will live truth, and who will invite them into a healthy family. Would you stand with me? This is not one of those feel the altar type of messages necessarily, but in a group this size, there are probably needs and people who need prayer. And we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. And so if you are an elder or a staff member or, or people who are going to pray, would you please come forward? And if you have a need this morning, we invite you to come and have somebody agree with you and pray with you to this God that we have access to his throne room of grace. Let's worship together.